Hi, welcome to the Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning and Data Science Weekly Podcast. My name is Kwan Hong, or you can call me KH. In this show, I'll be talking to AIML and data science practitioners around the region. In each episode, I will dive into relevant and interesting AIML topics where you get to know more about topics ranging from AIML adoption, best practices, and tips and tricks to be a better AIML data science practitioner. Hi, welcome to another episode of AIML and Data Talk podcast. In today's episode, I'm happy to have Ralph Vincent Regalado from the Philippines, who is the founder and CEO of Senti AI and Google developer expert GDE Machine Learning as a guest for the show. Hi, Ralph. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Koan. A pleasure to be here and looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have and looking forward to contribute to the learnings of our listeners for this podcast. Nice. Nice to hear about that. So at the beginning of the show, so usually we talk about some, uh, maybe you can give some brief introduction about yourself, your childhood and education or, or something about your career path. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Ralph Regalado. I'm, I'm based in the Philippines. I, I grew up primarily at a city, probably at one hour ride from Manila. And um, during my early years, I was really into technology. I remember when I was in high school, I learned by myself how to do web programming. Even if we really don't have any <laughs> um, subjects to do website development. So I really like built websites just by looking at their codes. Um, I think it was Microsoft front page from that time. You can just like, estimate the age that I'm, I'm right now. And it started there in terms of like my, my um, skills, really building the skills in technology and my interest towards technology. And that really led to my path um, going into college and applying to be um, a computer science student. So that's really where it started, uh, the interest. Um, when my father bought uh, a desktop computer, really, really tried to build um, websites on my own and jumping into the career of like learning computer science subject as a whole. And um, besides that, when I um, during college, I really was so focused on um, learning new technologies, uh, web development, and even entrepreneurship. There's an entrepreneurship course back then at time um, at our school, and um, I was really focused on the interest of like natural language processing as my thesis in the last few years of my um, college days. And since there's so no few, there's no work. Not, not that much work on the Filipino natural language project. It was it kept me interested to pursue a work there since my mentors um, have been doing a lot of work. So it's really need to continue the work for Filipino NLP. And um, so that's really where the, 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 the story started um, and jumping into the career path of me teaching in the academy. Um, when I graduated college uh, and slowly pursuing my uh, master's degree also in computer science and um, slowly led me to the to entrepreneurship world. So it's really, uh, and, 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 uh, probably, I, I can't say what type of story I have during my career, but, but it was an exciting journey for me and it was really a learning experience that I, I, I see a fulfillment too that um, hopefully um, others would be inspired of the story so that they can actually also recognize that there are ways on how they can improve their skills and uh, grow a career um, moving forward. 
I, I see that uh, you did a Bachelor of Science uh, uh, of in Computer Science and then Master of Science in Computer Science and also a PhD in Computer Science in NLP in the same university, uh, the La Salle Universities. And then you was actually working as an assistant professor there. What makes you jump from academics to the, to the commercial world? <laughs> That's a nice question, um, Juan. I think if you're working in the academe, the, the career path is you finish your PhD and then you do postdoctoral and then you continue expanding your research to you publish papers and you go to the career ladder of like being an associate professor um, up until to becoming a full professor and you continue to do that passion. So I'm still passionate about teaching, but it hit me when I was um, tasked to teach technopreneurship in one of the subjects in computer science. So since I was able to learn that course when I was during my bachelor's degree, I asked myself how I can how I can improve that course. So I do a lot of benchmarking, looking into MIT, looking into Stanford, how they do technopreneurship, and was really impressed on the caliber of how they were able to build um, something out in a course, then making it into a billion company, right? Moving it into a startup. So it's really like put me into curious because I think um, majority during those time way back in 2013, majority of outputs in thesis are, are like probably shelved into cabinets or shelved into libraries, right? And um, and that's, that's, that's on the context of the Philippines. And I was thinking of a way, how can we move on to that? How can we grow that? How can we now leverage those innovations and have them commercialized. So that's really like what picked up in my head since there's no one really trying to understand how to do that process. <laughs> so I really immersed myself to, to, to figure it out. What is it really like to build something that is highly technical? Because again, in thesis projects in computer science, it's highly technical. How, what, what does it take to make it into a commercial solution? How does it take to um, develop a product that would be used by businesses? And that's where it really started the journey of me joining Startup Weekends, um, pitching contests, joining contests. And um, and that's when the time that I really, really go in-depth into my tech entrepreneurship or like startup journey, <laughs> um, buildings and AI. I, I think it's normal right? because like for myself, I've also worked as an academician before uh, I, I mean, no, we, we try to teach the things that the latest thing to the student, but then the student will come and ask you that uh, you're talking about all these latest things, but you you have you really experienced it or not? Because whatever that we are teaching them, we really are from a textbook, and they will laugh at us that uh, you are very academical. You probably teaching something that you you yourself haven't experienced before. I think I think for for you to to you know, take the first step to it takes a lot of guts to you know because for us academicians you know, to move to the real world is it actually takes some 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 you no know, guts in us to, to actually take the first step. I agree on that one. I think I also ask my question ask myself uh questions regarding that because um. When I was teaching entrepreneurship, I cannot go in depth because I don't have the experience. Uh, at a point, I invited technopreneurs or like actual entrepreneurs to really share their experience in class to just bridge the gap because it's really different if you have experience because you can um, provide much insights and um, much learnings because of your experience. So because of that gap, <laughs> it really had challenged me to 
go and explore what really it is and how really it is to build a startup venture and uh, build a company on my own to really understand and to gain experience and hopefully um, transfer that experience back to the to future entrepreneurs who are interested to build their own startups. Okay, so before we talk about your startup, uh, I see that uh, you mentioned that uh, you from a mission when you transit, you do a transition to the real world. You actually before that you actually join a lot of startup talks. You join join a lot of hackathon competition. Is there is there is do you think that is the what uh, some of the step that people if they want to trans do the transition like like you is it, do you think those are the things that can can help them to you know gain more experience before they do the transition? I think it, it is, it is. Um, that's a nice question, Kwan. I think uh, if I'm just going to recall the experience of like joining hackathons, um, joining pitches, because again, as a technology background, sometimes you use words that are uncommon to the business, right? But when you go on the pitch, you need to make sure that the way that you communicate reaches your audience. You cannot use words that are that sounds alien to them, right? So you need to make sure that the way that you communicate, the way that you pitch um, impacts the listeners and the way that you also construct and the way that you build things has a different rhythm because you need to identify what's your minimum viable product, right? You need to identify what's really useful for your customers. So it's really um, probably, I, I would definitely agree that the hackathons that I was able to join and be part of became probably um, helpful for me um, towards the transition. And I think one of the events that really struck me the most was when I joined Startup Week in Manila. That was way back in 2013. Um, it was a three-day event. Um, you need to pitch your idea. You need to build your own team there. Uh, I need to pitch to a lot of people, even if I'm um, probably, uh, if, even if I'm scared to really, really do the pitches. Um, and luckily, at the end of the event, we won the contest. So there's a, um, it already has a market validity in terms of like the product that we are uh, pushing during that time. And also, the, the learning, I think that's something that you cannot replace yeah. um, talking with a business. Yes, and I'm learning the business thing goes at all. Yeah, I, I think uh, from my experience that I also been invited to a lot of uh, judge to be a lot of judges for hackathon. A lot, of, a lot. Of, the common mistake of all these newbies and when they join hackathon, they try to show so much of the jargon of the technology itself. Where when you present, the judges cannot understand how this technology bring in value to the business, and then how do you address the the, the connection between technology and the business, and how the value can from technology can bring to the to the business. I think there's a missing part because most of the time when you are in university, you're taught too much on the focus on technology, but people want to see how this technology can transfer to a, become a value to the business. That's a, that's that's the thing that the most entrepreneur, as startup from a company, they focus too much on technology. They do not know how to you know show case how does the value bring in from, from from technology that's very important agree agree that's why it's, it's very important to have that self-awareness too right because i think um you can be jack of all trades if that's really the skill that you have or if technology is really your strong suite and um and communication is not really part of your skills right and if it's something that you would want to develop yes you develop it but if it's not something that's really part of like who you are then probably partnering with someone who's who knows how to communicate your ideas, um, work with someone um, who can actually uh, team up with someone who, who, who can actually communicate your ideas very well. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, let's talk about your your baby, your your company, <laughs> Senti AI. Why Senti AI actually? What uh, what what do they do? Uh, why is it called Senti AI? Uh, there is a Filipino um lingo called Senti here in the Philippines. It means that you are being sentimental. <laughs> so it started with a word like Senti. Uh, and since when we first started the business, our focus is try to figure out how we can use NLP, Filipino NLP for companies. And one of the first things that we were able to explore is the use of like sentiment analysis for social media. And during 2013, um, along with the growth of like social media conversations, you have marketing agencies um, who would want to explore and understand what people say about their brand. So that's where the, the word senti really started. And that's where we started first, um, really working on sentiment analysis, um, trying to figure out what NLP solutions can actually be useful by the business. Because again, NLP, it can actually work across, cut across different industries, right? It's just figuring out which industry um, is going to adapt that te- technology. So during that time, we started first looking into marketing and we observed that sentiment analysis works for them. So that's where we started um, building solutions for marketing first. Um, using our, our solution uh, for social media listening and sentiment analysis. So Senti AI started uh, focusing on the Philippine market. So are you focusing on the, the main language of Philippines, like Tagalog? So in terms of like the, the capabilities, yes, we do Filipino NLP. Um, but in terms of like how the business is situated now, uh, it's primarily a consulting service. No? So we do an end-to-end work with their clients. We help them map out their data and AI strategy, um, identifying which solution fits um, and managing the solutions for them. Because I think um, one of the challenges of the uh, of the market now is, yes, I would want to do AI, but when you review, for example, the, 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 the business, they're not ripe yet for AI because there's no data yet. So it's really um, putting our expertise to, to guide these organizations to be on the right path in their implementation of artificial intelligence. So um, it's not just the solution that we offer, but we offer the, 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 the consulting service really as a core to, to our business. And um, if a client needs Filipino NLP, then, then it's part of our service offerings, right? If you feel that um, it's, it's going to be helpful for them. So that's how we work as, a, as an organization here in the Philippines. Um, so, so that means uh, your, your company started has a Senti AI started has a solution with the set, uh, sentiment analysis. Now you are moving to a, a bigger role where you actually offer consultation. So do yes. You, so do you see COVID has an impact on your company? Because uh, I see that because of COVID, a lot of companies started to you know because last time they are not digital, fully digitized. Now a lot of companies have to move to digital because they have to work in a, a more digital environment because we, we cannot work uh, in the office. So do you do your company actually offer like what digital transformation consultation or 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 COVID actually has has any impact on your business? With regards to like COVID, um, did it impact the business? It doesn't impact that much on our side. Um, we've seen that there is an increase, more increase, of um interest towards artificial intelligence because. I think primarily in the Philippines, majority of transactions are physical, right? People would love to go to malls. 
people would love to go to banks, fall in line, because that's a status quo, right? And when COVID happened, it challenged the way how business operates, that they need to be present online. They need to have digital footprints. They need to set up their infrastructure to handle the scale. Because in a bank, if, if it's physical, you can close the bank, right? But if it's online, no, you cannot close it. You should be open 24-7 because some of the people would still be asking questions and um, would be needing some help, right? So there was a change of like habit and consumers. And that's where the need strikes the most as to why we are still operating amidst the pandemic. Even though that we've seen that there was a shift in terms of like industry, because we know that the tourism industry and the hospitality industry, even the real estate industry have been impacted, we've seen that there is an increased need of it in other industries, a shift into the um, customer service um, need in the finance space and in the retail space. Uh, E-commerce has been uh, a boom. So there's a need for innovations to be able to handle huge amount of like customers. So we, we weren't able to be affected that much. And again, we're in a technology space one, right? We can work from home. <laughs> we can um, we can say the comfort of home, do, do codings, do meetings, do everything um, online. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really think that the COVID really push, uh, push us ahead <laughs> nearer to the future where everything is no, all, all the transactions can be done online. I think we, there's something that COVID, one of the positive things that uh, now people is like, they're they are not eager to go back to office. They, they prefer to work from home. That's one of the things that COVID has actually turned us into. No? We, we can right. work, work from anywhere. Right, right, right. So uh, we'd like to know, I mean, uh, since you, you, you transitioned yourself from academician to, to, uh, to your own startup, as a CEO, what are the common challenges that you face? A lot of challenges, Kwan. <laughs> yeah. Every day yeah. there are new challenges. Because I, I'm sure all my listeners are very curious because I, I'm sure some of, some of them also dream to have their own startup. You know? So they, they would like to know what are, the, what are the challenges. Maybe it's common things that people would not know, but these are the things that you will, you, you will face every day. Um, I think the challenges can be segmented into the growth of the organization. Because again, there are stages of growth in the organization and you can segment that growth stages by the number of people you have in the organization. When you start small, probably around three to five, it's easy to manage those people, right? 10 gets probably still easy to manage, but there will be some structure. But once you hit 50, how do you handle that, right? How do you also manage um, the expectations from when you are small, that everything flows and every, everyone knows everything to so something that is at around 50, do they need to know everything or do they need to have a segment of like information flow? And once you also hit 100, it will totally be a different challenge, right? And same goes with the skills. So when you start small, you need to have people who can wear different hats. So when I started, I can I, I do the accounting, I do the selling, I, I also like do the designing. <laughs> but when you probably move into 20 to 50, you need to look for someone who can do it for you because you need to focus on other tasks that would require the, you for the organization to grow, 
right? So probably you will be focusing na more now on how do you increase revenue, how do you improve your customer service, and so on. So each of this segment changes through time. And what's challenging as a CEO is you always need to be five to 10 steps ahead of everything. So before it happens, you have already planned it. So you need to be always on the lookout as to like, what's next? Um, how do I strategize to bring the company to the next stage? What do I need to bring to the, the company to the next stage? You, you always need to be around five to 10 steps ahead. And sometimes since if you're a newbie entrepreneur, you're going to hit on the wall because again, on my side, I'm not an entrepreneur. I didn't graduate business. <laughs> I didn't graduate MBA, right? So there will always be a challenge in terms of like, how should I do this? How should I resolve this? Because there's always a limit of like knowledge. That's why it's very important to surround yourself also with entrepreneurs who are experienced, um, looking for mentors who are experienced so you can talk out and discuss what are your challenges. So I think that's that's one of my realization really um, for the past few years is really um, you need to be constantly be aware of your strengths and weaknesses and to be able to address where you are lacking and asking yourself, are you still fit to be the CEO of the organization? <laughs> so it's really a constant self-awareness of that one. <laughs> so I, I see a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs now, they, they have a lot of paths that they can start. For example, like for example, let's say I'm a technical guy. I'm not very business-minded. I can join like incub- incubator program. I can join a lot of startup program where there are a lot of mentors come in and teach you, incubate you, and then teach you how to do think business, things, uh, do pitching, find investor, you know, then uh, but they, they angel investor, then Series A, Series B, Series C, go through all this process. I, I mean, did, did you go through this process yourself or uh, do, do you find that this kind of, this kind of learning uh, uh, provider is, is, is essential now for, for, for any entrepreneur. I think our journey as a company is completely different to what is being published probably or being known by everyone that um, getting funding is a success. I think for me, my definition of success is like if you're able to earn money and earn revenue when you first started, I think that's for me is a win instead of like, me getting funding and it would take me years to gain to earn revenue or income at the end of the road, right? So for me, it's like, why build, why, uh, you should build a company um, while it is small, it should be already income generating. I think that's, 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 that's my mantra in my head. And um, in terms of like success, it would really differ for entrepreneurs. If your success measure really is, you go to that round of like funding up until series B, up until series C, go. Okay. Um, that's your path. Um, but on my head, it's completely different. It's really how do I increase revenue? How do I how how can I um retain operations um and um prolong our 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 our, our, our investment or in our funds, um grow our funds moving forward. So that's completely a different like challenge um on our side. It doesn't necessarily mean that we don't we will not be requiring funds in the future. It would be part of us part of a strategic growth of the organization. But again it's really a different path. And I think people tend to restrict their path to what's common 
And I think I'm just going to like um, challenge that that there are other paths to success to becoming an entrepreneur. So it, it's it, it's um, it's not that um, it's not just synonymous to getting a series A, series B, series C and C. There are other ways to becoming a um, an, a, a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, I fully understand because uh, I, I think from, from your perspective, uh, I'd rather grow a real business, getting revenue and then make sure I can retain all my employees and then see how can I can grow further from there instead of uh, focusing because to get funding itself is a lot of effort. <laughs> we need a lot it of is. effort <laughs> and that effort can be you know, you know, diverted to, you know, to actually focus on the business and you know, generate more revenue. I know because I, I, I have experienced it before going through the, the, the process of you know, trying to get pitching and pitching is not easy. It's not so simple. It's, it's never so, especially now more and more, the, the, the more and more people have gone through all these pitching environment and the investors also are very picky. It's not so right. easy to, get, to actually convince the investor to pump in money to a company. And then even they pump in money to a company, there are a lot of requirements you have to fulfill. You know? So I think, I think people need to understand that. <laughs> agree, agree, agree. Uh, because I think I, I read some books, um, I think in the past two years ago, that yeah, there, there are different ways on how you can be successful. Um, and again, it's, it, it's really up to you. It's really up to your definition as an entrepreneur, what is successful to you. I think that's that's very important for you to define. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, another interesting question I want to ask is, uh, I know that uh, when you are a startup, you know, when you are small, the, the people try to be, you know, people have to be multi, multi-trade because they are small. They need, we need to do many, many things. But then if you grow and larger and larger, like you said, uh, how do you maintain? Because when, when you are small, people can be multi, multi-skilled. multi they, they can do anything. But then when you grow, then people will be more specialized. Uh, but as you as a CEO, when you when you start up, you, when, you, when you started the company, you probably do everything, accounting, business, everything. So, but now you are, you are, you are growing. At what stage that you think that you need to employ some somebody that probably, for example, you are CEO, you also technical guy, but probably at what point that you think that you probably need to employ somebody who is in charge of technical, like a CTO, or maybe somebody will be uh, doing a business, uh, 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 acquiring new business for you. So at what point of time that you think that you need to, to find these kind of people? I think on I'm just going to take uh, into consideration uh, my answer based on my experience. Um, it's really identifying what are your priority tasks. You know? if, it's, if the priority task is not really focused on finance now and you think majority of your time is spent on finance, then therefore it's the right time to really get someone to manage that for you. Um, another thing is if you have hit the limits of what you know about that, for example, um, department. For example, you hit the hit. You already hit the knowledge of like sales. How can I improve that further? And then I think it's the right time to also get the right person who is much more experienced than you. I think majority of people are scared by that. That you're going to get someone uh, more experienced than you. But I think it's 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 normal because again, you're building a team. You need to be confident. And you, you need to get the right people in the right seat. One, because that's, that's very important. And the, the, the ship will not move if people are not on the right seat. So you need to get the right people so that the ship would actually move. <laughs> I, I, I think from your perspective, it's very important because uh, you, 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 when you see there's a need, so you need to let go. Because 
there are, there are a lot of entrepreneurs CEO because they, they, they think that this is my baby. I want to control everything. And then they right. want to let go everything. Then, like you said, the ship will not move because you, your, your, your effort is, you have your limit. You, know? you cannot do everything. That's what, you reach a point that you need to let go and then pass the responsibility to someone else. Yeah. Another technique, Kwan, is like, if you are becoming the bottleneck, it's the right time <laughs> to hire the people. It's very, very true. Very true. <laughs> Okay, coming back from technical questions. So we know that uh, AI can be, you know, can be very biased. How do you think that, uh, especially I think in, even in the sentiment NLP space, biasness is something that we cannot avoid because in human, the, our language, we have a lot of nuances, whatever. How do you think that uh, uh, all this issue about algorithm bias in AI can be resolved? I think it's a lot of being transparent of those biases. Um, because again, you're still going to transfer those results to a human to come up with a decision, right? And being transparent on how it was derived would definitely make their decision on how they infer their decision um, be much be better. You know? So it's not just only you provided this is the right decision and so on, but what do you think is the foreseen bias because of the data? That derive this decision. So I think being transparent is um, one of the key things that would definitely eliminate some of these challenges. Because again, like humans are biased. If you ask someone to tag everything, they have their own bias when they tag things, right? So yes, you might have some process to eliminate those bias. You can do simple um, annotator agreement um, or any other approach to, to eliminate those biases. But at the end of the road, it's more of like if you're moving to business, you need to be transparent as to um, what might be the biases that this data results are and these models are providing so that they will be able to decide um, on a human level on how to deal with it. So it's, it's, it's more on that aspect. Um, one. Okay. I'm sure that uh, as a startup company, um, one of the biggest challenges is also recruiting uh, uh, the right talent and also bright talent. How do you comp- how do you how do you attract talent to join your company? Because I'm sure there are a lot of competition, a lot of, a lot of fresh graduates, they want to join big company. Then how 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 does a, a, a startup like like Senti actually attract good talent to join your company? I think we're just lucky that we reached to a point that our brand is known by students. And I think it was also helpful um, when I was still a community manager, um, building networks with students, building networks with my fellow community managers and volunteers. I think some of the some of the volunteers that I have in Google Developer Group Philippines are part of the organization, and some of the volunteers in other tech communities are also part of that are part of Senti. Um, and I think it's really the network that brought us those talent and the branding that it's out there. And besides that, since um, we have close tie up with schools and universities, and they know that. Um, we can provide good internship and also um, the students knows the company as well. Uh, we, we haven't had issues with recruiting. I think one of the challenges is probably more on retaining <laughs> rather than like the recruiting, right? So because again, um, there's still few talents out there. Um, Kwan, um, I bet you, you know that. 
and sometimes those talents would go elsewhere, right? Yep. Probably would go to this is Google very after yeah. Google Google afterwards or um, Facebook afterwards, yep. right? So I think there's still a need to really grow that skill and um, strengthen the job market into uh, becoming ready to this um, fourth industrial revolution. Because again, we still lack a lot of like talents. Um, and even, even in the schools, there's still not much of um, uh, topics or even like courses to strengthen what is really needed um, by the market in terms of artificial intelligence. Okay. Yeah, I think the, as, a, as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges is to recruit people and, and then I think like what you said, the uh, joining communities, working with communities, technical communities, and also working with UCT is one of the ways to actually make sure you have the pipeline so the talent can actually join when, uh, be- before they graduate, they already know that there's this Senti AI and then they are doing something uh, in AI space and then you can actually recruit them as an intern. And from there, you can actually, you know, offer uh, from internship, you can actually offer them as a job. Well, I think the biggest challenge after that is once they join your company, you they will probably treat your company as a, tra- a training test bed. <laughs> then once they acquire all the all the knowledge, they want to go and join other bigger company. I think right. that's also another problem. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, so coming to that, is, do you have any 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 you know, any ways that have to, to to tackle these uh, people leaving your company, or or do you offer them shares or something like that? I think it's common that um, people will leave. Uh, it's uh, just a matter of making sure that they are constantly motivated. It goes back to the psychology of like well-being of people, that they have the right salary, they are constantly challenged, they are constantly motivated, and um, they are needed. They feel that they are part of a group, right? I think that's that's that's, that's the three most common um, aspects that needs to be monitored and. Yeah, I think we know that people are people's structures are complex. People are complex, and that's why it's 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 really part of the business to build operations and um build how do we deal with those type of like situations, right? Because for sure people would leave a company or an organization at some point. Yeah. But how do you maintain? The quality. How do you make sure that when you when a new people come in, it's still the same quality that the clients expect? So it's yes. building that type of process, repeatable and scalable process. I, th- I think that you mentioned the well being is very important because there's a study that uh, they show that uh, why people stay on company stay stay in a company for quite some time is because they feel that they are bringing value to the company. Uh, because they see the company actually see them that they bring them value to the company. So for a startup, usually when you join a company, you you you, you can work things and then people can see your work, then they see the value. Whereas if you join a big look, big uh, corporate company, you are just a small person in one big ocean. So sometimes that you things that you do in a big company, people might not ever see you. So there's no value that they can you can actually bring to the company. And then once you lose that, then you lose your motivation and then you you, you don't like the job anymore. So I think that, that 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 what you said the well-being thing is very important. Right, right, and I think it's um, it's really trying to set the the right expectations and um, making sure that you communicate well. I think I get a fair share of like learnings of um retaining people. I think that's that's one of the so it's one probably one of the challenges um thing when you're you're an entrepreneur, right? Especially if you have built 
relationship with these people that had helped you from the start, right? Uh, but that's the reality. People would definitely go. So it's just a matter of how do you handle those risks? How do you manage those risks? And how do you maintain um, that the quality still maintains uh, when you deliver project? Because at the end of the day, you need to satisfy your client. Regardless of like who's going to work in the background, who's going to deliver those projects, you just need to maintain the quality. So it's more about making sure that the way that we operate as a company is customer driven, it's, it's scalable, and um, it's transferable to different types of people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so last two questions. So what do you look for when you recruit someone like ML engineer or data scientist or AI engineer? What do you look for? I think on our side, since I'm, I'm not really recruiting ML engineer because I think it's my CTOs recruiting ML engineers, on my side, it's m- more towards um, head or end managers uh, or maybe data strategies or data scientists um, who's going to be part of the team. Um, for me, first and foremost, is the if they are fit to the culture, <laughs> so that's that's very important because um, if they would want also to be part of our culture, so I think when I do interviews, it's not just like a one way talk that I'm just the one asking questions. I let them also talk to me and ask questions because at the end of the day, we don't want to waste each other's time, right? Because if you go in a company and you don't like it, then you're going to leave. Then it would take us again months to recruit new people, right? So it's just having that open conversation to our, our hires as to what their expectations are and uh, what are expectations to them as well, right? Being transparent on all of those things. And at the same point in time, we try to match up their career growth to where are we going as a company to? Because again, you would want to have someone who values the mission and believes in the mission of the organization because the people itself would be the one carrying those mission and mission, right? So it's not just only you. If it's only you, that that will not work, right? The the, the company would crumb, um, will be would be in shambles. So it's very important to get the right people who has the right skill and get the right people who has um, the good fit in terms of biker culture. Okay. Last question. So what is the tips and advice to be an entrepreneur like you? Um, tips and advice. I think um, this is a hard question. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to probably give a tip to myself five years ago, um, I think first is to probably join a startup just not jump into building your own. I think joining a startup first would help you understand and learn from the leader so that you know that when you build your own, you know the tricks. So prob- since I think on my side, I really don't have that opportunity during that time. <laughs> it's because I think we're one of the first few waves of startup way back in 2013. So probably I'm on a second wave of those startups. So I really don't have that time to really join a startup and really learn from them. And I'm also at that age that probably it would it doesn't like jive with a career, no. But if you're if you're still young and if you have time to join a startup, I would recommend joining a startup first as a as a as a good learning experience. Um, and me 
Also, joining a corporate organization is a good experience too because you get to understand processes. You get to understand how big organizations work. Because at some point, if you are a startup, you're going to reach a point that you will be growing the organization so you know what setups, what process to actually put in place. So regardless as to like where you're going to start, um, there are pros and cons into it. If you jump into immediately startup, there are pros and cons into it. It's a matter of like committing to it. No? So it's, it's a matter of like commitment. And I think this is one thing that I always always tell if people ask me advice always determine your why why are you doing this um, what are you trying to do what impact you would want to bring to the world um, is it because you would want to have business because you would just would want to earn money or you just would want to help your family are you earning business because there is a higher um, to provide higher meaning of life or to provide social impact to other people. So understanding that why is very important because at your lowest point, it's your why who would keep you. Uh, it's your why who will become your North Star to pick up yourself again and um, walk to continue your startup. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is a very important advice because when you don't have a passion or doing something, you lose out because along the way, you will be have a high point and then you have a low point. And during the low point, you want to give up. But you, if and like you say, if you ask that why you started at the beginning and remember that why, then that will give you push forward. If not, then you will just give up. I think that's very right. important. It is, it's it a is. very important advice. Right, right. <laughs> okay, Ralph, I think uh, we have uh, come to our time. So I think uh, today we have discussed a lot, very interesting topics about entrepreneurship, about NLP, about startup, and about your companies, everything. Uh, I really thank you for taking your time for this uh, podcast. Uh, hopefully, we can have a chance to talk again maybe in the, in, in the future when your company grow in a bigger organization. Thank you very much. So much also, Juan, and um, thank you so much also for our listeners today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify Podcasts. If you have any comments or recommendations, I will be glad to receive your voice messages. Send me your voice messages via the link in the show notes. To catch all latest episodes, you can follow this show on our website, www.aimldatatalks.com or our social media such as Instagram or Twitter with the handler at AIMLDataTalks. Thanks again. I will see you next time.